Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back Porch Stories with Chuck Stead. Now, this is Back Porch Story number 12, and it is the end of season one. So uh, we'll be talking a little bit more about that at the end and after the, uh, the conversation we have about this story. Uh, and we hope that you're doing pretty much the same thing at the end of this story with your family and friends. We will definitely be back with season two, and we'll talk to you more about that. Right now, we're going to wrap up this season with another wonderful story. So please share these with your family and friends. Follow us. And I hope you enjoy this closing story of season one. Here's Chuck. This story is called The Story of Ogres and Demons. Once, there was a little village in the country. Everyone lived there in houses with front porches. They came and went about their business most every day, and they feared little. Among these people, there were elders who were the keepers of the stories, and there were children who knew little about the stories, so the elders and the children often spent time together. The elders to talk, the children to listen. All the other people were busy doing what was needed for people to do in a village. Things were happy there and settled for a long time. Far from this place, there was another place where lived ogres and demons. They wanted to destroy the village. No one knew why. They didn't even know where these ogres and demons came from. I mean, why? Why were they so mean, the people would ask. From time to time, these ogres and demons would attack the village. The three-fingered sheriff would gather up the men to fight them off. The Lone Ranger and Tonto would ride down from the hills and help beat back the ogres and the demons. And then life would be happy again. This pattern of behavior was held for a long time. No one could remember a time when things did not happen in this fashion. Even the ogres and the demons could not recall there being a time when they did not behave this way. One day, a road, a very big road called the Thruway, was built. It was called this because it went through things mountains and rivers and villages. After this thruway was built, things settled down again, only a bit noisier because of the traffic. Some time later, it was noticed that the ogres and the demons had not attacked in quite a while. In fact, folks could not recall when they were last fought off, the ogres and the demons. When, when were they here? Didn't they used to come all the time? So a council was held with the three-fingered sheriff in charge. The Lone Ranger and Tonto were not to be found, as it was not the night of their television show. It was the night of the Beaver's show. He and his family sat in the back of the village hall, looking very tailored and neat. They didn't speak. Everyone wanted to know what happened to the ogres and the demons. They knew it had something to do with the throughway, but beyond that they could not figure. It was decided that two should be picked to go over the mountain and find the ogres and the demons. Out of the many volunteers... Grandma Holda was picked, as it was believed she was the best baker in the village. This was considered an important skill in case an offering of chocolate cake was needed. The other one picked was Walt, my dad, as he smoked a pipe and seldom spoke. These were important skills as well, for they might need to smoke a peace pipe in order to talk with the demons and the ogres, and they all agreed the less said the better. They had only one question in mind. Everyone in the village was at the council except Tessie, my mom. She refused to go. She said there were no such things as demons and ogres for crying out loud. She said the village was living in the dark ages and, and that all they needed to do was to turn on the light. 
She said this despite the fact that she had actually been there when they had attacked. She did not recall them attacking. Oh, well, there were just some out-of-towners and they were having a picnic and it got out of hand. She was appalled that the villagers would actually shoot rifles at picnickers. So off they went, Walt and Grandma Holder, to find the place of the ogres and the demons. Walt carried his pipe, tobacco, and some wriggly chewing gum and his rifle. Grandma Holder carried a basket filled with chocolate cakes. They crossed a bridge over the throughway, and then they went up over the mountain. Now, Grandma Holder, Walt's mother, well, they had never been on such a long walk before. As they tramped along a footpath, she reminded him to tie his bootlaces, wear the hat in the sun, be careful about that darn pipe of yours. For Grandma Holder, all this walking through the woods alone with Walt was not easy. He was very quiet. He smoked too much. He had this nasty spitting habit. By the time they crossed down into the next valley, they were walking pretty far apart. But soon they came back together. There before them was the village of the ogres and the demons. It was unlike anything they had ever seen. All the houses looked very much the same. They were painted in only three different colors, blue, pink, and yellow. They had never seen so many blue, pink, and yellow houses. Also, none of these houses had porches. It was as if someone had come through and removed all the porches. And the trees here were all rather small and planted in a little circle of bricks on the ground. And there were cars everywhere. They had never seen so many cars coming and going with demon and ogre families riding along, happily singing. It had been a long walk. They were tired. They were hungry. So when the thick odor of barbecue fluid stung at their noses, they followed it. It led them to a family of ogres who were cooking steaks on a barbecue grill. Cautiously, they approached the ogres, who were all scaly and short-legged and cumbersome. They had humped backs with tails sticking out of their trousers and their skirts. Suddenly, an ogre child noticed Grandma Holda and Walt. She hobbled over to her ogre mother, for this was a community wary of strangers. Then all the ogres stood gaping at the two steads, who were armed with chocolate cakes and a rifle. It was at this moment that Walt noticed a rather sedate, pleasant-looking ogre drinking a can of Walt's favorite beer, Budweiser. The ogre noticed Walt's gaze, and raising a fresh can, he offered it to him. Now seeing Walt lay down the rifle and pick up the beer, the ogre family relaxed. And so Walt and Grandma Holda spent a pleasant afternoon with the ogres, and despite their unpleasant appearance, scales, pointy ears, long crooked noses, hooved feet, they were actually rather neighborly. The little ones particularly favored Grandma Holda's chocolate cake. When it started to get dark, Walt and Grandma Holda decided to head back to their own little village. One of the ogres offered to drive them in his new sedan. They accepted, and as they drove through the brightly colored neighborhood, they passed by some long square housing that wasn't near as pretty and was cramped for yard space. Here they saw some demons sitting out on the front stoops, smoking cigarettes and drinking beer. Their ogre driver said this was the place where the demons lived. Then he shrugged and said, I guess every neighborhood has its demons. Just before they got home, Walt remembered the question that they were sent to ask the ogres and the demons. In all the socializing, he had somehow forgotten. But as they crossed the throughway bridge to come back into the land of Hilburn, he said, 
by the way, why haven't any of you been attacking us? Grandma Holder hushed him, saying it wasn't polite to ask this. But their ogre host slowed down on the bridge, overlooking the traffic speeding beneath them in both directions. He rubbed his dark, protruding brow with a reptilian paw, and then he said, You know, somebody brought that up just last week. Don't know, really. It seems like it was so long ago. Can't remember how it even got started, but, well, with one thing and another, you know, mortgages, kids, braces for their fangs. Well, I guess we just don't have the time anymore for that sort of thing. And so it was. After that, the village had to go on without ever again rallying to their own defense. The old sheriff and Grandma Holda used to reminisce about the old days, but most folks were glad not to have to fight the ogres and the demons anymore. The elder storytellers moved to Florida. The children watched TV. Folks came and went, as they always do, and no one seemed to mind adjusting their clothing for their tales. Well, with the chill in the air, the leaves turning color, the promise of hot chocolate in the kitchen, and the feel of a good book, it makes it all worth it. Yeah, and the other day when I was at the Montgomery Book Exchange... Whoa, 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 wait a minute. You went? Without us? Well, you kept promising a road trip, but it never happened. So yes, I went on my own. Did you bring Nina's bag of books in exchange? Well, of course I did. And did you pick up anything with your store credit? I did. But first, let me tell you that it was wonderful. Walt Pahuki is a great bookstore owner. He really knows his stock. And yes, I went over to the Iron Cafe, got a delicious cup of coffee, and then back into the bookstore, and I learned about their local author signings, their book club. They have story time events, their online monthly Facebook Thursday night bag of books auction. And over at the children's chapter, Claire Pahuki offers kinder music in the reading garden. Check out their website for hours. All around, the place is welcoming and fun. Did you come back with anything? Just one book by a local author. It's called Back Porch Stories. No, no, no wait a no. second. We got copies right here. We, we, there's copies all over the garage. Yeah, 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 yeah right. but this one came from Montgomery Book Exchange. It's more authentic. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's great. So I know some of the characters, right? The Three Finger Sheriff. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's no question about who he was. And I heard his voice a little bit there from time to time. Help me align everybody else. Because <laughs> I'm not smart enough to figure it all well, out. Well, wait. Let's see if I can guess. Okay. So um, the the demons and the ogres are all people moving in after the throughway is built. And they don't have connection to what was there before. Sounds good. Okay. Some of them are from the big bad city. Perhaps, yeah. Okay, and some of them might not be the same color. Could be, yeah. Some of them might even be, let's say, Native Americans <laughs> or something. Well, I think Native Americans it, who were already here would be considered part of this group. Part of group. the city, yeah, right. You no, know, part of this group in, in, in Hilburn. Right. I, I think for me, it's mostly about different people. Hmm. Yeah. Encountering different people with different ways and the fears of the other. You know, there's always the other. You know, the, like you live within concentric circles. 
And the tighter your circles are, that's your family, your immediate friends, your neighbors just outside the edge of the community. But eventually, there's another set of circles. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and they're not your circles. And you don't know about them. Right. You know? And in that, I guess, ignorance of them, not being knowledgeable about them, that's where the fear comes from. Because they must be different. They must be dangerous. Yep. They're going to bring something here that we never wanted, you know, that we didn't need, that kind of a thing. Really interesting allegorical little tale there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> curious way to end season one. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think for me, I, I often did that in my head uh, to understand, because stuff was so hard to understand yeah. that I, I rolled it into a, a little tale, a little myth of some kind. So you have real people and you have these imaginary creatures, but they talk, they drink a beer together, you know, they... Yeah. You know, they, they do their stuff, whatever it is. Yeah. And Walt, of course, asks the ultimate question, why aren't you attacking us? Yeah. We thought that's why you came. We thought that's why you were here. That's great. It's really great. You know, this has been wonderful, Chuck. Um, this is the end of season one, and uh, I think it's been a rare experience in my life to to be able to be a part of this and uh, and to enjoy it. With you and with Scott, you know, uh, his insights, you realize all of a sudden that everybody sees and hears something a little bit differently because of where they come from. When I was talking to my wife at one point, and she said, while we're editing these things and it's all broken into pieces, it, she gets one bit of enjoyment out of it. But when she just listens to it all by herself, it's a very different experience. And I think that's what podcasting that's what makes podcasting so wonderful so for me this has really been fun it's been moving at times it's been really unearthing some memories because all of your stories are based on on people that you knew and times that you knew which is what makes them i think especially wonderful i feel really lucky to hear hear them because they remind me of the people that i love so much that i have they haven't been around for a long time but uh but they all have meaning they all keep the meaning and the people behind the meaning alive. And if there's a better reason to do anything, I can't think of what that is. So that's my little summation of season one. But, uh. <laughs> yeah, and piggybacking on that, I met you when I was 18 at the Nature Place. And so for my entire adult life, I've lived with these characters, not as a first person knowing the original people, but your personification of them and the stories that are woven together with through that fabric of your growing up years. So it, they have become part of my history in terms of the, the almost like the lore. And as the years go by, and I'm, I said before we went on air that I really do feel privileged to be part of this because when you tell a story now with these characters that are so familiar to me from decades of reflection and, and hearing you tell uh, stories about them using different details, it brings out a deeper connection. And uh, there are all of these amazing sort of like life lessons that are embedded in these stories. And I don't even know if that's something you're doing on purpose. It's just when you, you accurately talk of a community and all the intricacies of the different people, those kinds of things can be interpreted. They can be interpolated out of the experience. 
So it's been really an amazing, uh, an amazing time to be able to, to hear you tell these stories now and see how they're being reinterpreted and sending them out to people who you will mostly never know. It's mm. kind of like teaching. You never really know who you're mm. impacting. Mm-hmm. It can take a very long time. And most of the people will not come back to you and say, oh, yeah, and by the way, thanks for that. You know, that <laughs> yeah. doesn't happen as often as, as not. But uh, I feel like it's working. And the more you put things that are positive out into the world, the better the world will become ultimately. Couldn't, couldn't say good. it better. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. And you know yeah. what, what you said, you, you've been listening since you were 18 years old and now you're a father and you have a son and you have a family and your wife and you're, and you're a teacher. And there's so much new experience that surrounds you now that was not there when you were 18. And stories, I think, resonate so much more because, you know, we're identifying all the time with aspects of a story or a character or a person and I just think it's more fun now than it was when I first read the book. It was oh, way yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm finding things in this book that, that I agree with and like to find and other things that no longer matter that much to me. That's how I can edit it some as I go along. Yeah, There's different things that mean more to me now, that speak to me now in, in a way that I was just passing over maybe the earlier time. And you know, beyond this book, I did 33 years of the camp, I wrote a, a mess of stories, and some of them never saw print. Some of them, you know, were just spoken once, And but I still have the handwritten copy. The other day, I, I dug one out, started looking at it, and I thought, huh, why am I saying it that way? And then I realized, it's because I'm not saying it. <sighs> right. The story is saying it, you know. Yeah. It's like what the artist is, like you said before, the, you, the, the artist is the vehicle. If you're any good at it, you've, you've practiced your skill, and then you open the door and the flow, the narrative thread passes through you. You don't yeah. get to own it, and, uh, and, and those voices are not, are not yours. You may be talented in mimicking them, but they really do come from those other places. And that's, to me, that's the exciting part. Um, like, well, actually, Grandpa does re- reappear, but he, he reappears for me. Mm-hmm. Not mm. for the other people in the stories. Yeah, so yeah. he's sort of like for a while an alter ego kind of a thing, you know. And sure, and I think we all do that, you know. When you lose a loved one, how would they respond to this event that I'm now facing alone? Well, it's comforting if you can imagine how they'd respond, you know. And um, and we don't know that they're not there responding <laughs> That's into what your I consciousness. Was going to say. Right? There's <laughs> nothing that that says that. Uh, that you are indeed alone. <laughs> yeah, that collective unconscious thing that Young talked about. You know, mm-hmm. we we're we're tethered together. You know, these, these there's threads that are connecting us, and it doesn't have to stop at the door of you know mortality where we continue that that connection. Yeah, absolutely. There's not a day goes by that I don't hear my father's ebullient, effusive voice. You know, <laughs> listening to this story right now and saying that was wonderful. <laughs> I love that. I just, I think it, Chuck, Chuckles, I think it's amazing the way you, I can hear him. I mean, you know, you, you hear the voices. They're, uh, it's a great he, thing. He would, he would say when, when I do Uncle Mal, for example, Joe yeah. would say, you, 
you didn't do Uncle Mal. You were Uncle yes. Mal. <laughs> That's exactly what he would say. That's true. So you see, you're, you hear him too. Oh, know? yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. It's great. And I told you what Walt said about Joe. He said that uh, he, he likes the way he puts words together. <laughs> you know, because Joe was just, he was, it's, it's like you say. I mean, he, he was just a, a performance. He was performance art. Yeah. And uh, and for us, he still is because you know we still experience that sense of, of yeah. Well, you know. my brother Peter does the best imitation of him. Oh, we got to get him on here sometime. Oh, to do we got to because he just got him. He's got his rhythm and everything else, and he'll. Uh, uh, I, I can't. I can't do it. It's he'll have to do it sometime. But it's fun to listen to because it brings him right back. He's really, uh, and you know, it's been a while now. It's been nineteen ninety three. Wow. 2003 yeah in almost 30 time. years right, yeah right right wow it's hard to believe you yeah. know it's like a mountain in the rear of your mirror it just keeps getting bigger you know it doesn't yeah. really yeah it's really something wait a minute how's that work how's the mountain get bigger when you get i don't fur- know but if when you're you driving get backwards away, if you're driving back <laughs> I don't know. actually when you first pass a mountain like if you're if you're in colorado and you're driving away i t- try this sometime really okay just look in your mirror and it will appear as if it's getting higher and bigger and then finally it will start to it'll start to get smaller but at first it just and and what, what were the mushrooms you were on at this time? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, now that you mention it, uh, uh, who knows? I anyway. was never in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go. It's really beautiful out there. Well, this has been an experience, a wonderful mm-hmm. experience. And a privilege. Thank yep. you. We're going to do this again. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. We're, I think we're going to get back together probably in the fall. and. Yep. Starts this season two, and uh, yeah, I think season two starts probably when when this one happens. It's like right in the middle of October, so season two will start up shortly before Halloween. Yeah, and um, we that means we can tell a good Halloween story. We can do some Thanksgiving material. We can do some some early winter hunting stories, and sure. uh, and then of course uh, the holidays. You know. There'll be a solstice. Oh boy, my my wife so wants me to do the uh, solstice story that it's at the, at the end of the book because there's good Ricky Cramshaw and Cindy Maloney scenes in that one, and and uh, we'll see. That's I'd have to break it up into shorter chapters or something. Yeah, yeah. well, but, uh, I'm looking forward to that. I really am. Who knows where this will travel next? But yep. we're off to a great start. So yep. thank you, Chuck. Yep. yep, I'm having fun. You guys having fun? Oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah. it's great. You bet. This is fun. Okay, I hope you guys uh, listening to this are having fun. I'm sure they are. Yeah. See you in a little while. Yep. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Backport Stories with Chuck Stead. The song that you hear at the beginning and the end of the episode is Flyer's Rag, composed by Mr. Scott Lewis. Our producer is Joe Serino, and our cover photography is done by Karen Serino. We'll be back with another episode each Friday morning at 9 a.m., so please subscribe, click the like button, share with family and friends, and join us each week for another Backport Story.